Come with me to God's living word. Open your Bible and come to Luke 14. We're going to begin in verse 12 in a moment. This is one of the parables of Jesus. A parable is an earthly story that contains a heavenly meaning, a life-changing meaning. And I don't want you to miss not even an ounce of it. So get out your Bible. You may want to download this piece of paper. Jesus invites everyone into his forever family because we're going to look at this invitation, the amazing invitation of Jesus. Why don't you call a friend? Text a neighbor. Say, join us for worship. It's not too late. It's just getting started. Pull people in. It could make a difference in the way the rest of their life unfolds. Maybe you have a special need in your life. Note the number here on your screen. Call us. These things come straight to me. I want to be part of your team. We've got ministers who are waiting. If you've got a prayer need, you need to make a decision for Christ. Don't bear a burden by yourself. Lots of people are calling in. Don't be left out. Dial in. We want to connect with you and help you and be the Word of God for your heart. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about this glorious fact that Jesus invites everyone into His forever family. You know what I've discovered? This is one of the mantras of my life. Following Jesus is not a burden to bear. It is truly a party to share. That's what we'll learn in Luke 14. Because Jesus crafts an analogy he compares following him not to a prison sentence, but to a party. He compares following him not to a funeral, but to a forever feast. So I want you to get your picture and perspective right regarding what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. It's a party to share, and it's for everyone. Now, let me ask that you understand something that's really important. You see, much of the world sees religion for a tribe or for a special group. But Jesus exploded the people's thinking in the ancient day when He said, He is for everyone. In the most famous verse in the Bible, He declares, for God so loves the world. Friends, that's everybody. Do you realize that you've never looked into the eyes of a person that God doesn't love? You've never shaken hands with somebody that Jesus didn't die for. You see, everyone matters to God. And that is the essence of the good news. No one is left out. They are invited to the salvation celebration. They're invited to the top party that you can imagine. Um, when I think of this passage of Scripture in Luke 14, do you know what I think of? I think of my son, Jason, and my daughter-in-law, Catherine, because they host a disability camp, and it's called the Hope Hills Camp. They've been doing it for several years. Uh, this is a picture of Jason and Catherine declaring that everyone is invited to the party based on Luke 14. And uh, there's Jennifer Epperson and her daughter Elizabeth and Jenny Weller and Jason and Catherine. And these are two uh, beautiful young ladies. They're twins and they suffer from a horrible disability. But they're part of the team because the Lord made all of us. He loves all of us. But I love this picture. It's the banquet, the declaration of Luke 14, that everyone is invited. No one is left out. Oh, this is a gorgeous picture of the kingdom of God. Do you get it? Do you realize you've been invited? Let me make it a little more real. What's the top party that you've ever been invited to? 
Think about it. What's the top party that you've ever been invited to, the most special one? Let me tell you about something fun that happened to me some years back. I got a call from the White House. They had a friend in the White House named Les Chorba. And it so happened that I did his wedding to Ann. And I guess he felt beholding to me because he married a really fantastic young lady. And he called me up and he said, Jay, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, a man named uh, Dr. Morris Chapman, is going to be visiting the White House and he wants to go to the Kennedy Center. And would you be his host? I said, I think I'll make arrangements. So we met at the Kennedy Center and we sat in the presidential box. Uh, that's the presidential seal. This is the Kennedy Center. You walk in, uh, they have lavish refreshments. It's quite the place to be in because you think of all of the famous presidents who've sat there. You open the door and you go out into the foyer, into the next area. And in that next area, you walk out and those are the presidential box seats. We rotated and we all sat multiple times in the presidential chair. <laughs> what a party. What a night. What a memory. But friends, I would have you know that that is absolutely nothing compared to what it will be like to feast forever in the presence of the Lord. Now, I want you to ingrain this picture that Jesus gives us in your heart. Pick it up right here. Luke 14. Let's begin in verse 12. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do you invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. But when one of those who was reclining at table with Jesus heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, listen to Jesus, a certain man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, well, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. <laughs> Another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason, I cannot come. Verse 21, the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry, and he said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Let's pray. Father, get me out of the way. I pray that your spirit would commandeer these moments. 
I pray that your spirit would surge into the attention of every person who is dialed in to your living word and listening for your voice. I pray that we would not only hear, but we would trust and we would obey and follow you all the way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's plunge deep into the scripture because a parable is a little bit like peeling an onion. Do you know how an onion comes apart in layers? The first layer is always the story itself. And the story here is simply about a rich man who is throwing a big party. It's technically, we learn in Matthew 22, a wedding feast. The second layer is the historical context. Now, the historical context, in this moment, Jesus has enemies. The religious people, the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, and they're developing a deep hatred for Jesus because he is proclaiming a gospel that says God loves the world. He loves non-Jews. He loves Gentiles. And that makes them so angry they will eventually orchestrate the murder of Jesus. And then number three, the last layer that we unpeel is what does this mean to you? What is the personal application? And friends, it's this simple. Everyone matters to God. Everyone is invited to the party. Well, let's jump in and, and let me pull it apart. Number one, let's go to God's invitation. God's invitation. You see, this rich man invites these guests to this wedding feast, and it is a big deal. And he's going to invite a lot of people, probably hundreds and hundreds of people, the whole community. In the day of Jesus, a wedding feast was the social event of the season. Jewish weddings were joyous celebrations, but they were not last-minute affairs. They were planned long in advance. They were elaborate in their contemplation and planning. So, a pre-invitation had already gone out, and these people had already essentially accepted the invitation. This was not a surprise party. On the day of the banquet, it was customary for the servant to go out and simply announce, all is ready, y'all come. Well, when the servant went out and said it's ready, it's interesting. God, the host who invites everybody because he is inclusive of all people, he wants them all to participate and be blessed. That's the Father's goal. That is the host's desire. I want you to just pause and think about this invitation, because this man represents the Lord. We learn in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is patient. That's why he's not shut down the curtain on history yet, friends. You see, God is patient, and he's not willing for any to perish, but he wants people to come to repentance and be part of his forever family. So he is continuing to extend this invitation to everyone. That is the point. Now, my friends, I want you to think about this. If this was a wedding feast, what would be the, the top wedding feast that's ever occurred in the family of humanity? Let me nominate one. This is considered the wedding of the century. It was the wedding of Charles and Diana. Now, I'm old enough to remember it. Some of you were not born 39 years ago. It took place on July the 29th, 1981. Lady Diana Spencer married the prince. It was the fairy tale event of the century. It was the most expensive wedding ever, and it still is, according to the Guinness Book of Records. 
And it was watched by, get this, 750 million people as it occurred at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It was that big event. Everybody talked about it. Now, friends, here's what I want you to understand. That's nothing. Princess Diana and Charles's wedding was nothing compared to the banquet feast that God is inviting people to, that he's invited you to. Here's the point. You see, Jesus compared his invitation to a party, not a prison sentence. Following Jesus is not going to a funeral. It's going to a feast. Get your picture right. When I was in seminary, one of my professors said something that I'll never forget. He said when he was growing up in Tyler, Texas, he thought, because he didn't come from a Christian family, that being a Christian was taking the top ten things that you like doing the most and stop doing them. He thought that was the essence of Christianity. It was all dark and negative, but it's just the opposite. Why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 1 and understand what we get when we follow Jesus. You see, it's the ultimate set of blessings. What do we get? We get His forgiveness. Our slate is wiped clean. We're connected to our Heavenly Father forever. We're a royal child of the King of Kings. We're robed in His righteousness. We are part of His forever family. We're blessed. We're favored. We're protective. We now have purpose. We have access to His throne room 24-7. We have this phenomenal, eternal inheritance. And it's all free. I have heard it said, and I believe it to be true, that God's favorite word is come. It's come. It says it in Matthew chapter 11. It says in verse 28, Jesus speaking, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come. What does he say in the book of Revelation? The Bible ends on this note. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Friends, the invitation of God is being extended to you right now. Don't live life alone, rowing your tiny boat against the tide, but instead come. Come to the Lord Jesus. That is His invitation. He invites you to come because He loves you as a plan and a purpose for your life. Won't you come? Say yes to His invitation, but not everybody will. Let's go to number two. Let's move from God's invitation to people's insults. They pick up here in verse 18. When the announcement was made that the feast was ready, people began to make excuses. I mean, this fabulous, elaborate party was rejected because, friends, we have free will. Look how that's on display. Uh, these people started to give lame, feeble, flimsy, insulting excuses. Uh, let's... Uh, kind of take note of how we can be prone to do that. Have you ever extended an invitation to someone and they really insulted you? They hurt your feelings by turning you down? Uh, Like, this is a good one. If somebody says, I can't come to your event because I have to walk my unicorn, that probably indicates they really don't want to go. Or what if they say, I I really can't come to your event because I've got to stay home and teach my cat how to yodel. That's probably an indication that they are creating an excuse. You know what an excuse is? An excuse 
is the skin of a truth stuffed with a lie. That's what an excuse is. Listen to these excuses beginning in verse 18. The first man says, well, I've bought some land and I've got to go see it. How many of you would buy land and never see it? This is an absurd excuse. and I'm sure the whole crowd is laughing when they pick up on Jesus' humor. I mean, if you would buy land sight unseen, I've got some oceanfront property for you in Wetumpka. No, nobody would do that. Then the next guy says, well, I've got to go test drive five yoke of oxen. That's 10 oxen. Who would buy that much livestock without testing it out? And then the other one's most ridiculous. It says in verse 20, this fellow says, oh, I can't come because I've just married my wife. Well, the Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy 24, in the Jewish culture, when you get married, you get the year off. So he had nothing going on. He simply did not want to go. This is a flat-out insult. It is an excuse. And, and I want you to take note. These insults made God angry. This rejection made God angry. My friend, let me explain something to you. God placed you here on earth for just a few years. And Jesus invites you to love Him, to follow Him, to serve Him. He's given you an invitation written in His red royal shed blood. That invitation is to be part of His family now and forever. But you have a free will. You can say yes or no. You can accept it. You can reject it. I want to urge you to not make excuses. Look at Romans 1 verse 20. The Scripture says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, they have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This is a global truth, and I want you to understand it. So don't give God an insulting, lame excuse when He invites you to come and follow Him and be part of His forever family, because the Scripture warns us that this will make the Lord actually angry. If God is calling you, don't come up with excuses and reasons to say no read an epitaph one time, and it said this, he danced under the moon, he slept under the sun, he lived a life of going to do, and died with nothing done. Don't let that be you. Don't live on excuses. Don't offer God lies. Well, let's press on and see God's instruction. What was God's instruction? <laughs> well, this host, uh, when he learns about his guest refusal and rejection, I guess he could have canceled the party, but he didn't do that. He simply expanded the guest list. He invites everyone in the whole region. It's so exciting. He includes everybody, the up and out, the down and out, the highbrow, the lowbrow, the nobrow, the unibrow. I mean, he includes the blue blood, the redneck, everybody. He said, go and fill my house. I don't think God plays poker, but he likes a full house. That's what he wants. He invited them to fill up his house, and Jesus still does that. Oh, it takes my breath away when I read the gospel and I see in John 3, Jesus talking to a religious Nicodemus, but in John 4, he's talking to the multi-married woman at the well who is socially and morally compromised, and yet Jesus invites them all. He invites the woman caught 
in adultery about to be stoned to come into his forever family. And he invites Zacchaeus and he invites Joseph of Arimathea and he invites you. I want you to understand that God is still inviting people. And he's got a part for you to play in the invitation process. Let me underline it. A, God's servants obey his orders. Don't miss this. God's servants obey his orders. Here's the point. Every follower of Jesus is somewhat like a heavenly postman. And you share the good news invitation of God. You see, these are his timeless orders. Look at Acts 1.8. It says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. That is the very word of God for you. You are called to be the witness of God. That's a timeless order. And I want you to understand your job is to share the good news of Jesus with everyone. We've been doing that. Now, here's what I've discovered. In these COVID-19 days of the pandemic, people are hungry to hear. They are wide open to the gospel. It's fascinating. Do you know what we've been doing? We've been asking people to call the number on your screen, and people have been calling, not by the dozens, not by the scores, but almost 200 people have called in and made decisions for Christ. Just uh, page after page of people calling in saying, yes, I want to get back on track with God. Maybe that's something you need to do, but I can tell you what God is wanting you to do. He wants you to be an inviter to share the good news of Jesus with others. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that somebody came to you, and let's assume football season is going to happen, and they had 50-yard line tickets for the Alabama-Auburn game. Can you imagine that they give you these tickets on the 50-yard line free, and here's the case. Auburn and Alabama are undefeated. And this is really the national championship. So giving you a ticket like that, is that going to be a burden or a blessing? Oh, friends, when you give somebody an invitation to be in God's family now and forever, it is not a burden to bear. It is the ultimate party to share. But here's another huge truth. God's servants includes everyone. What did he say? Go to the highways and the hedges regardless of their social classification, it makes no difference. Invite everyone to come in, compel them to come in, have a sense of urgency about what you're doing. Friend, here's one of my great life takeaways. I've gotten to travel a lot. I've preached the gospel on five continents. And here's what I've discovered. It's this simple, Jesus is for everyone. I've seen a lot of North Americans come to Jesus. I've seen South Americans come to Jesus. I've seen many Africans come to Jesus. Once we showed the Jesus film and had over 2,200 decisions for Christ in a three-day time frame. I've seen Asians come as we've gone throughout India and China. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people from Asia come to the Lord. I've seen Europeans come to Christ. You see, Jesus is for everyone. This is the point of the parable. Jesus' guest list is not an exclusive one. It's not for just the elite, not for a chosen few. It is for everyone. 
compel them to come in and go with a sense of urgency. Let me tell you a quick story about one of my favorite friends, Am and Walt Holland. Uh, many of you know Am and Walt. Uh, they suffered a horrible tragedy. Their son, Chris, died in a car wreck, and Chris and I had become friends, and they called me up and said, would I do Chris's funeral? And I agreed to do so. It was a, a terrible tragedy. Am was from Thailand, and Walt had met her when he was in the Air Force over in Thailand. They got married. She was Buddhist. But after Chris's funeral, and I proclaimed the good news of the love of Jesus, Am came forward. She gave her life to Christ. She was baptized. Some years ago, she took me to her homeland, Thailand. She literally took me to her hometown, Karat, and Am and Walt have built a beautiful house here called the Jesus' Lord House. And do you know what we did? We had a gospel crusade. We went around looking for people who were looking for Jesus. That's the way to live life. Look for people who are looking for Jesus. And we handed out flyers. And we had an English teaching session that brought people in. We were going to teach them some basic English. Over a thousand people came and shared her testimony about how she had grown up in Karat. Her father was a noodle maker. She gave her life to Jesus after her son died. And then I preached the gospel. I invited people to admit they were sinners, believe that Jesus loved them, and call upon him. And in a country that is almost all Buddhist, we had over 200 people profess their faith in Christ. Do you know what that tells me? That Jesus is for everyone. And you have an assignment. You are to go, and you are to tell people about Jesus. But here is the heart of this moment. Have you met him? Do you know Jesus in a real and personal way? Have you said yes to his invitation? Here's the big question. If you were to die, are you assured in your soul and your spirit that you would go to heaven when you close your eyes in death? If not, here's what you need to do. You need to settle it. You need to get on God's track. And it is this simple. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to turn from your sin and simply and sincerely turn to your Savior. I would like to help you. I'd like to be your guide. Would you do what it says in Romans 10, verse 13? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And with your lips or in the chapel of your heart, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. Thank you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me your child. And I promise to follow you all the way. Friend, if you pray that prayer, oh, I've got good news for you. The Bible says you have been born again. Now, you need to do something about it. I want to invite you to take a bold step of faith. Pull out your phone, and I want you to call that number. Call me. Talk to one of our ministers. Call that number. Text that number. Just say, yes, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Give us your name. We want to be in touch with you. We want to give you a Bible and materials that will help you grow in the Lord. Some of you are saying, I'll do it later. No, no, no. That's the devil asking you to give an excuse. Don't say later. Your response should be, today is the day of salvation. Make that call. Send us that text. Some of you are thinking, my mistakes are too great. No, friend, listen to me. 
your mistakes are not greater than the mercy of God. He died on that cross to wipe out your mistakes, to forgive you and make you part of his forever family. Right now, don't say no. Say yes. Make that call. The redeemed of the Lord should say so.